So uh, I'm here today with my good friend, Landon. He's the general manager at Drive Capital. He's the host of In Their 20s, another podcast that has hosted guests that are really surprisingly famous and successful. We'll talk about that in a little bit. You'll find him co-hosting or organizing all types of tech and business events virtually, or especially in Chicago. I've been to a lot of them. And he's very connected with a lot of young VCs and other founders and builders. Landon also happens to be the person that inspired me to rebrand and relaunch my own podcast that ended up becoming The Intersection. And so thank you so much for being here with me today. Thanks, my man. Yeah, excited to be a guest. Congratulations on actually launching. A lot of people say that they want to do shit, but they don't end up doing it. So good for you. <laughs> There's a lot of these pictures of you when you're young mm -hmm. with like J. Cole, yeah, yeah. Steph Curry's, <laughs> and they... Uh, how did all these encounters happen? And Dude, like <laughs> completely randomly, and I promise that's the truth. Um, yeah, I've run into like some insane people just out and about. Now it's been a little more um, like at events that I'm at with them. Like I just you know hung out with Paris Hilton because we went to a tech event together. Um, but like back when I was younger, um, you know, sat next to Steph Curry on an airplane randomly. <laughs> he was in his second year um, at, with in the NBA. He was coming home from All Star Weekend, and he wasn't like really anyone yet I mean he was he was an NBA player but a lot of people didn't know who he was um, and same with Zendaya like I she's from Oakland uh, went to a camp with her while she was younger um, and yeah we got a picture well she was on Disney Channel at the time but now you see like how amazing um, her life has become and how successful she's become so I take full credit for that I think no I'm kidding um, but the, the best one has to be Will I Am I ran into him in an airport um, this was like at the time the Black Eyed Peas were like the largest group ever, um, which is crazy to think about because no one really thinks about the Black Eyed Peas anymore. I do though. Um, I don't think about the Black Eyed Peas. Yeah, I mean, no, they were they were iconic. They were huge. Um, but yeah, I ran into Will I Am at like his peak in an airport, Oakland airport. Um, I might have been probably like eight or nine at the time, and I remember vividly like freestyling for him. Because um, I used to be like a child rapper, not going to rap today on the show, by the way, so don't ask. I just remember how kind he was and thoughtful and gave me some really good feedback. Do you remember what the feedback was? Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> good feedback. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, I didn't follow it because I, I would stop. Um, but no, that, that was his feedback. So let's jump to into In Their 20s. You know, this podcast that started out of college right yeah and it rapidly evolved into interviews with like super notable people i mean you got like steve wozniak guy kawasaki the mayor of miami sure. Chantel jeffries tim draper the former prime minister of haiti and the list goes on and on and it on does. yeah yeah uh tell us about your intention behind starting in their 20s you also have another thought on why young people should create content or create their own podcast sure. as a form of all these other benefits besides the content itself. Yeah, um, so it's funny because it's pretty related to your first question actually about like these people I've just had run-ins with. Like I've, I've always been so intrigued with like the journey of people and like their stories and just naturally I think I've always been a really good listener since I was younger. Um, you know, my um, aunt would always say I have a very old soul and a lot of times I just like to sit down and listen and in my day-to-day -to -day today, like yes, I do talk a lot and I'm, you know, on stages here, giving TED Talks there, but I'm most comfortable when I'm able to just listen um, and hear what someone's working on, what they've gone through, 
Um, I'm, I love stories. And I was the weird kid also where like my favorite types of movies were not action movies, were not cartoons. I've always been interested in um, biopics. So those are like the movies about other people. Um, and why that's relevant to the podcast, like I feel like through all the internships I had in college and through working with different people, like the, the biggest takeaway has always been about how they got to where they are, like the top people, my managers, the leaders, the founders. And I felt like also there were a lot of these Instagram posts I used to see, like Jeff Bezos used to work at a McDonald's in his 20s, whether or not that's true. Oprah was fired <laughs> from her um, job as a reporter. And I felt like no one was really exploring that, me uh, that question of what someone was doing when they were younger and how they got to success. Not just how successful these people are today, but what they did to get to where they are today. And um, the second part of your question, like the importance of building in public and building a brand. Um, yeah, I, I think a podcast specifically, like it's unlocked so much for me and it unlocks so much for other people. Like it's a growth hack to success in your early career. You get an excuse to talk to anybody. Right, exactly. Um, you get to actually like pick their brains. Um, and the idea of picking someone's brain, like you can never just reach out to someone. Um, sometimes you can, but you're going to get a lot of no's if you're just reaching out to someone asking to pick their brain. Right. Um, but if you actually have like a utility, like something to bring forward, come on my podcast, people are more willing to open up and talk, um, learn a lot, and just pick and choose what works for you. But then you got to apply that and like make your own risks and try new things. Mm -hmm. I want to know more about how you kind of curiously made your way into co-hosting and organizing all these different events, whether it was being a panelist and hosting panels at uh, Shy Tech Week mm -hmm. or the Gen Z VC Summit with Megan Lost or the all the various events you've been doing at I'm Not Art sure. with uh, Matt Shapiro or even the like mini networking session with Andy Dunn for Pumpkin Pie. Yeah. Or Ruben Flores with Builders in Public. Like, yeah. what? Do you just do you just hit these people up and be like, yo, let me be a part of your next event? How do how does this all happen? Yeah, no, that's a great question, man. Um, it's for sure all very intentional. Like I am very passionate. I'm sure about, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not just hosting random shit. Um, but no, I, I love bringing people together. Um, a lot of people talk about the significance of community and for me community is just access to information um, and what I mean by that is in order to become successful you need to see success um, you need to network with people at your level you need to network with people um, older than you younger than you um, but overall everybody has and will continue to succeed in different ways and I just want to bring people together so they can learn from each other and see success because again, in order to become successful, you need to see success. And I feel like a lot of times it's difficult for people to find these groups, communities, um, to learn and absorb from different people. So that's just a big mission. And it, it, a lot of it today is, yes, in, it's in line with what I do professionally. It helps me find founders. Um, it helps me build my brand. But it didn't start like that. It more or less just started that because I was passionate about bringing people together. Um, because when I was trying to find success, when I was... Um, starting early in my career, I depended heavily on these specific communities, these different groups. Uh, Claude, for example, I don't know if you've even had Claude on your show yet. I mean, you know Claude, you should totally have him on. He opened up a lot of doors for me um, because he was just hosting these events and meetups and trying to build community. 
I'm thankful that I had access to his communities, um, you know, when I was getting started. And it's just all about giving back. And just a greater lesson that I really follow is um, you, you sort of accomplish your goals and accomplish your dreams when you get when you help other people get closer to accomplishing theirs. Um, so I'm going to continue to do that, just bring people together. It's kind of similar to the ethos of what you're doing at Drive. Yeah. So let's speaking of that, let's talk about your work as an investor. Uh, you're an early stage investor at Drive, so much so that you like to often say that you invest at the napkin yeah. idea stage level. Uh, how do you go about sourcing or scouting for startups and where does your curiosity take you when looking for founders and like what's your investment thesis and how do you go about being an investor in your your mind sure um so in order to um find good companies you need to have a very strong top of funnel i i do that by bringing everybody into the door um i want like i want everybody to know of me i want everybody to meet me and i want to meet with every founder um, some ways I do that are through the events that I host, um, you know, the media, um, so my platforms, social media, continuing the podcast, bringing that back next year. Um, like when people think about Chicago tech, when they think about venture in Chicago, when they think about approaching investors to look for capital, I want to be someone that they think about. And I can't be in every single room at the same time, even though I wish I could. Like being as loud as possible, build in public, bring people together um, in order to build that top funnel. When you say top of funnel, what do you mean by that? Yeah, let's pretend like you have 100 companies in your top funnel. So 100 companies have come to you or you found 100 companies. We're not going to invest in every single one of those companies uh, because there are going to be different things that we're going to have to filter out, we look at. So as the funnel goes down, um, I start to have like these you know, smaller meetups or I start to have these one-on-one -on -one conversations all the way to the bottom of the funnel, which is the actual investment that we make. Um, so again, the only way to start with that is to bring everybody into the door, understand what they're building, understand how you can help, um, and then see the ones that we ultimately will end up investing in. And to answer your question about uh, thesis, so it's different for every investor. Um, Right, that's why I'm curious what you're Yeah, yeah, no, it's different for every, no, I'm just um, <laughs> opening, <laughs> opening up my train of thought. It's different for every investor. So just to kind of show you the threshold, we're investing in ideas on napkins, which is super early, and that's very rare for Chicago, all the way to something that's been built and maybe has customers, traction, whatever it might be, but we want to be their first check. So you got some investors that do like, you know, later than that, they want like to see all the traction, all the revenue, and you got investors that do even later than that. They want something called product market fit. Like you need to have a product out in market that is in front of an audience, makes sense, people are using it. Again, I'm on this side. And then also you have investment bankers, which like they invest all the way at the, at the latest stage. Um, I am investing super, super early. So I, I, traction and revenue is not important to me. Like we're, we're trying to go super early. What is important to me though is uh, the founder why they feel like they are the most qualified person to build this. I don't need people who have been in the space for 30, 40 years. Like I'm looking a lot of times at students and you may think, you know, student doesn't have years and years of experience, but that's okay. Because if the founder has something unique about themselves and they can articulate it in a very clear way, um, even if it's like an internship, um, but they built this network or started to learn more about this certain area during an internship, that, that still might be interesting. So the founder is important to me. The size of the market is super important to me. Um, I, I want large companies. I, I want to contribute and fund the future $10 billion startups of Chicago. And we don't have any of those. Um, so 
We want ma companies that will be massive. Um, but obviously no one can see into the future. So I need, I need a founder who can like really articulate the market. Like why do they think it's growing over time? And why do they think they're going to be able to dominate in that market? And what do they have to do to get there? And um, I'd say the third thing that's really important to me is called a why now. So no idea is a new idea. Anything that you think you're original with has been tried before. That's just what it is. But timing is super important when it comes to the success of startups. So I call it the why now. Like, why does this need to be built today? Like, why repackage this idea for today? Exactly. And I always give the Uber example. Many people tried rideshare before Uber and failed. Uber came along, their why now, why the timing was so perfect, they noticed the trend of more smartphones, the rise of 3G. Google Maps had just released an API um, that Uber would use. Why nows can be even more complex. Like, I'm looking a lot at generative tech and generative AI right now. There's a very clear why now. Um, it's gotten way faster, it's gotten way better, and it's gotten way cheaper. Um, and a lot of applications are being uh, built on generative AI. I saw that you had your avatars created. Um, <laughs> that was my first uh, use case or use of generative yeah, yeah. AI. So there's a clear why now for generative tech and generative AI. It was a light bulb moment for me. And because totally. I saw everyone else using these, which I have this question Network here. effects, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, whoa, boom. Not everybody has 100 pictures of trees on their phone, but yeah. everybody's so self-obsessed that they have 100 selfies. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, but yeah, th those are the three things that are like important to me. There's some other things too. But yeah, I mean, the first company I founded in Chicago, I met at a pitch competition. Um, they haven't even shipped their MVP, which is their product, okay? They're young, they're hungry, but the idea and them and the market that they want to tackle and a very clear why now is what stood out to me. So those are the three things that are important to me. And I just will end it as I started it. It's different for every investor. So that's just what I look at. So it sounds like instead of traditional, mm, like thinking about what the right forms of traction are, you kind of are looking for, is this person a very unique, exceptional person? And, and do they have a trajectory that feels right? And do they have a vision that's really clear? Of course, but they also need to tell me that too. So that goes right, back right. to the market um, aspect of that. Like they need to tell me how they want to enter the market. And also that goes to the founder too. Like they need to be knowledgeable about it. They don't have to have done it, um, but they need to have a plan that they want to share with me. One of my favorite things that I've seen you uh, mention is this idea of being a specialized generalist. Yes. And I just resonate with this idea so much because it's, it's I feel like it's so now it's sure. so important that people let go of being you, you can yeah, talk yeah. about it yourself <laughs> but uh what would you after you explain what you mean by a specialized generalist what are your two to three to four yeah great power? question <clears throat> awesome question so um you know specialized generalists let's just break it down for like what it is you got people who are specialized that do one thing and you have people who are generalists who kind of have a wide scope and do a lot of things. Um, and specialized generalist is literally combining those two things. So instead of like trying to just focus on one thing and be you know the best at it um, and in the top 1%, which is possible sometimes, don't get me wrong, um, but I think you need to be humble enough and sometimes say, okay, like, am I, am I the best? Am I in the top 1% doing this one thing? And if the answer for 99% of people in the world is uh, maybe or no, then yeah, you, you need to rethink this. If you are the 1% that like is the rocket scientist that already like has a Nobel Peace Prize, like, okay, that's different. 
Um, and I've actually interviewed some of those people, which is funny, wow. on my podcast that are the, the 1%. But for majority of people, um, especially young people, I, I think you need to rethink this a little bit. Um, so that's where the generalist um, aspect of this comes in. But you don't want to talk I'm talking about the negative side of the generalist. You don't want to do too much, right? Because um, then, like, what is your focus? Like, sometimes it's good. You yeah, just dabbled in everything. Exactly. Yeah, um, which is a great way to start early. Right. Like while you're young, like try different things. I did that. You know, I had ten internships in college. It wasn't just in venture and media. I did law firm. I did so many different things just to like pick up different skills. But there comes a time where you got to mature and say, okay, what are the things I'm going to hone in on? So instead of being the top 1% in one thing, I think you can be in the top 20% of two to three things. But these two to three things, you need to be very intentional about them. They need to be things that a lot of people are not combining in a very unique way. But if you combine them and um, do it successfully, that will be the ultimate unlock. Like that is your superpower. Because um, so then you might be the only person in the world exactly, who's in the who does something like so unique. Yes, which then kind of turns you into a specialist at the end because, you know, but you're a specialized generalist. So you are in. You're the only one doing something super specific. Um, and for me, yeah, very intentional about like what my mine were. I'd say like uh, my first for sure is um, storytelling. So I've, I've done that, and again, you, you want to be careful because you want to make sure that these do um, intersect. So storytelling for me means a few things. Um, that means like the podcast, the questions that I ask on my show, um, but that also means that I can work with an early stage founder now and help them craft their story, something that's super important because especially the idea on Napkin founder, they don't have traction, they don't have revenue, they need a story. That is what's going to bring people into the door. So storytelling is one of my superpowers. And I've combined that with my passion for investing in venture capital and startups. I'll put that into one bucket. Um, venture, startups, and invest investing, which uses the storytelling. Like These work with each other. I'd say um, my third is community building. As I alluded to earlier, the fact that I have this um, community that I've built and I build other communities that introduces me to more founders, that introduces me to more venture firms, that I can then help with their early journeys, their stories. So all these three connect. And the fourth is Chicago. Like hmm. I am You're very bullish on the Midwest I'm, yes, of Chicago. I'm very bullish on the Midwest, Chicago specifically, and I make that very loud about, um, like that's a big part of my brand. Hmm. So when people, again, think about any of those four individually or combined, they're ultimately thinking about Landon. Like I'd like them to, and I haven't found anybody that is doing those four things specifically. Um, and yeah, I mean, even more people wanted to, like that's fine. There can always be overlap because I've already like, you know, I've written that in the, in the stone. <laughs> like these are the things that I do, but I've combined them in a very unique way. And that way is through me, like that, that's just me. Um, so those are my four things. And it's going to be different for everybody, but I highly recommend that everybody starts to explore that. Even again, like my sister, for example, she's super passionate about space science. She's one of the individuals who I might say like could be potentially in that top 1%. But even her, I say like, hey, still find other uh, things that you can combine this with. And she's very passionate about um, uh, uplifting and uh, helping black and brown st students succeed. 
Um, she's like the president of the Black Student Union at her high school, the president of the Jewish Student Union. Um, she created this, um, it, was, it started as a, as a program which has become a class, like it's a mentorship class for, so uh, older wow. black and brown students can help out younger students, um, elementary, et cetera. And I told her like, what if you could find a unique way to like combine that, like even getting more black and brown uh, employees into in NASA. Space. Yeah, into space. So um, <laughs> I, I still think like, even if you are confident and think you're in the top 1%, um, like y still consider becoming a specialized generalist because that will only make you even stronger. Right, it may benefit you more at the end of the day. Wow, that's dope, that's so dope. Yeah, yeah. You like walking a lot, you love walking. Yeah, I love walking. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what do you do when you walk? Do you listen to podcasts? Do you uh, think over things you're trying to yeah. tackle during the day? When yeah. I, I just, I'll just leave the house and I'll go on like a 15, 20 minute walk to think about something. Dude, I'll do the same thing, but I'm on like three hour walks. Like I, 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 I try and walk all the time. If we could do this podcast walking, I would walk. Um, <laughs> it, it's been proven that moving, being active, and walking uh, really helps your brain. Helps you think, helps you react, um, helps you process things. So um, I'm often walking while I'm taking meetings, while I'm talking to people, um, catching up with individuals. And um, also when I need to like get out and just like think about something, um, something that I'm working on, and I like, just need to like be with myself, you know, I'm listening to the Landon podcast just like by myself. That, like I'm always walking during those moments. So to answer your question, like, and it's funny, like as a podcaster, I don't listen to a whole lot of podcasts. Um, Same, yeah. funny enough. Like I, I, I don't really listen to podcasts while I'm walking. If someone shares one with me and says, hey, like there's something specific that you need to listen to, um, then I'll check out a podcast, sure. Um, and music, like I love music, but Sometimes I'd rather just like be in silence yeah, same, or same, like same. doing something active, like talking to someone. So um, yeah, I, I love walking though. And it's, it's proven that um, if you are able to like get up in between meetings, walk around and come back or even take meetings on the go, like your, your brain energy and flow like will, um, you know, you'll be able to process things much better and think. I think it's great though, just to be able to walk and not do, do anything else, but use the walk as a tool to kind of think through whatever you're dealing with sure. at the moment. Yeah, and Chicago is a great walking city, by the way. Like that's what, I, I love this city for walking. When it's not freezing, um, great walking city because the Bay Area where I'm from, it's way too hilly. This, uh, I love how flat it is. <laughs> and yeah. it's also, you can always see something new. Like it's just a very exciting city to look at. Like it's it aesthetically pleasing. It's Chicago's beautiful. very aesthetically yeah, pleasing. Yeah. Speaking of Chicago, what do you think Chicago needs to become a more substantially thriving city of builders and founders and have better access to communities? And if you could help us visualize for a second in Landon's mind, like what communities, events and resources and support would look like in an ideal Chicago for builders? Sure. Um, we need massive startups in Chicago. We have um, about 23, 24 unicorns so far. Um, a majority of those are freshly minted unicorns, but and those companies will also continue to grow, by the way. Um, but just to note where I'm from in the Bay Area, like, you know, we, we got the Ubers and Airbnbs and Googles, like, that, that's what I mean by 10 billion plus. Mm -hmm. And that's even hitting close to 100. I mean, you know, a few of those are really large. So you that, think Chicago could get to there? I think like so, 100%. I think that um, I, I know exactly how to do it. And it's, it's easier said than done, but the, the, game plan I have is um, first like reverse engineering it like what's not happening currently or what isn't happening as frequently as it should in Chicago 
And I think we start by, we, we need to invest much earlier, like way earlier, like I am. We need to like get in on the ground floor um, early in startups. And those startups that we invest in, it can't just be a, here's a check, see you in a few weeks, see you in a few months. Firms, investors, support, whoever it might be, like, needs to, they need to be super involved with those companies. I meet with all my founders every single week. Really? Every single week. And Does I just don't plan on... Does that mean you keep like a limit on how many people you work with at a time or... Um, so by the end of next year, I want to have 20 companies uh, that I'm invested in. And yeah, I mean, no, it's going to be busy. But I, I think that founders need the most support. It, it's proven, it's proven fact that more high quality VCs and VCs being um, persistently involved in the early innings of a company contributes to success, long-term success. So um, every investor, you know, thinks different of that. You know, some agree with what I'm going to be saying, some don't. That's fine. Um, but me personally, and after interviewing so many top VCs as well, because before I got into this space, like I've built the framework of like what works and what doesn't work. You need to be super involved, not annoyingly involved. I call it persistently involved. But hmm, at any given persistently involved, not yeah, annoyingly involved. Exactly. I like that. At any given time, I want to know what my founders are going through. I want to know like what challenges they have. I want to know how I can connect the dots to the best of my ability, um, and that can sometimes mean through like un unsolicited intros. That means intros that like they're not asking for that I could just make just because I'm thinking about them constantly, or that can mean like you know helping them uh, with hiring. Like I don't want to like find out about things. It's almost like you're a co-founder, but it's like 20 different companies at the same time. Yeah, well, no, literally, that's, that's actually what I tell all my companies. <laughs> treat me like a co-founder. Treat me like a therapist. Treat me like a friend. Treat me like a confidant. Like, treat, treat me like anything. Personal assistant, I don't care. Like, I, I, want, I want to do the work. I want to help these companies because if you are able to do that as an investor, you will maximize the success of these companies and also you maximize your relationships with these people. relationships too um, but you'll show them that like you care and you'll help them um, grow yeah your um, brand will grow as well They'll exactly like, wow Landon was the most helpful investor I ever worked with. that is and true as well yeah these other investors they just sat back and threw money at me waiting for their return but Landon he was there to through thick and thin that's yes so that that's what the, like what I want to give um, but then also like the the third step of this because again invest early be super involved. Third step is like build that strong community for founders. And what that achieves is it gives founders a reason to want to stay in Chicago. A lot of founders, because they are not funded early, because they are not supported, because they don't see a community here, and the community is growing, but because you know a lot of them haven't, they have left for those three reasons. They go to the Bay Area for funding, for community, for support. Sometimes they come back, sometimes they don't. And or they go to New York or something. Anywhere. And what I'm trying to get at, and this will be kind of the, to close it, will be make it very clear. If you're able to do these three things, founders will become more successful. They'll grow, um, and then they'll bring that back into new companies that will come along. And that is what I call the Chicago Tech Future Flywheel. That's the flywheel that needs to happen in Chicago. And that is not an original idea. The Bay Area already does this. So that's why you have companies like Google become super successful, and they reinvest that back into newer companies. Or Dropbox, they reinvest that back into newer companies. Or Airbnb, they reinvest that through angel investing, through support, whatever it might be. But there's a flywheel there. So that's why new companies can come along and grow and help other new companies. We need huge companies here. In order to do that, it starts in the first inning.
I love that. And I, that makes me optimistic that you think it's possible. And it makes me more 100%. And we don't need to be the next Silicon Valley, too. Like, I think well, Chicago... we can be so much more. We can be Chicago. We just need to right. do a much better job of being Chicago. Um, so that, that's what I'm working on. And that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. That's why, like, I love staying busy because um, I, I know it can happen. I don't think it can happen. I know it can happen. And we're... Um, me, Drive, like, a lot of people are focused on making that happen. My favorite idea from your TED Talk is... Focus on growth, not status. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Uh, let, can you tell us more about being willing to, as a young person, step back and figure out how to en enhance your capabilities rather than enhance your self-image? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So focus on your growth, not your status. Um, I was told that by Ev Williams, the co-founder of Twitter. Um, and... In it, yeah, dude, I think there's so much pressure, just like we see what this person's doing, we see what that person's doing. We're always comparing ourselves to other people. Um, there are probably people that like, you know, compare themselves to me, but like, I want you to know that I also am comparing myself <laughs> to other people. Like, we're, we're always comparing ourselves. Um, and recently, like over the past, um, I'd say year and a half, two years close, since I got that advice, I started to like put that in a deeper perspective and said, okay, um, none of this, that shit matters, you know, like the status and the titles and um, it, 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 it just isn't important. What does matter is the growth, like in different situations. It could be professionally or personally. If, if you're in something, uh, or a relationship, if you're in something that you feel like you're not growing, um, so again, if you're in a job just for the title, if you're in a relationship just for, you know, whatever it might be, <laughs> if, I mean, you know, again, it, but you feel like you're not growing from that, then you're, you're losing. You're losing completely. So. People, more people need to focus on their actual growth, not their status. And I spoke earlier about becoming a specialized generalist. There, there's a uh, correlation between those two. Like, not just doing, you know, the one thing if you think, like, you were told to do this or, you know, pressure from parents, society to do this one thing. Uh, you know, take a step back in order to understand, like, that you're not going to be the best. You don't have to be the best, but right. you, you can combine things. You can combine um, things and, and make sure that you get extremely it. unique. Exactly. To make you the best in your own way. Exactly. Yep. So that's what I mean by uh, focus on your growth, not your status. Well, to wrap this all up, since the intersection is really uh, honestly more about uh, connection and community than it is about content, who are some people in any industry or area of work that you might be interested in connecting or networking with, whether in Chicago? or anywhere else, and uh, how can they get in touch with you? Hmm. That's a really good question. People who I'm not currently connected with, that I want to connect with? Yeah, it could be in anything. Claude and I, my good friend Claude, like we we believe in this together. And shout I think out that to this, Claude. Yeah, shout out Claude. That's how I met you, through Claude's uh, fireside. I, I call him Claude, Claude the connector. But um, I, I think that um, Chicago has such a unique culture, different cultures, like people doing different things, unique things. Um, and I think we need to find more ways to combine those. And Claude is doing that. I'm doing that with a lot of the events that I host, like especially at uh, the NFT gallery. I'm not art that I host events at. It's, it's never just for crypto enthusiasts. It's never just for founders. It's never just for investors. I, I have creatives there. I have artists there. I have founders, investors, everybody. Because we can all combine forces, listen to each other first, understand what someone's working on and how we can get involved or provide value um, and you know build Chicago. So to answer your question, um, I think um, athletes in Chicago hmm. are one that um, 
like a lot of athletes want to invest and they want to be involved mm. in you know new tech um and uh, i feel like a lot of that doesn't happen in chicago like i see kevin durant launching his venture firm and Steph Curry, I mean, dude, like LeBron James, all, all these athletes, professional athletes, are involved in business. And um, I, I don't see a lot of that happening in Chicago. And I want to start to bring in more athletes into our ecosystem. There are a few also, by the way, that like, I'm very close with, but um, you more. Know, I, I just want more. That's kind of what I'm looking for. So if anybody can help with that. Yeah. Reach out to Landon. <laughs> That's a beautiful way to end this. Sweet. Thank you. Of course. Fun time. <laughs>